Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosold, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. Good morning on this bright and shiny Tuesday morning. It's six degrees out there, or it's negative six degrees, excuse me, with a real feel of negative 23. You've got Jill Welke here to do the chores with you and and, uh, move through our morning. And as I mentioned, it is 23 degrees below zero for the real feel. So, Bundle up those kiddos as they wait for the buses and and uh, make sure you bundle up yourself. I've had some pretty good luck so far with the waterers at my house. I do have five cattle waterers that I take care of and I put the, the heating element in them a while back because that's on a, on a thermostat. But I plugged in the light bulbs just this last week that are underneath and so far, so good. I'm going to knock on some wood right now, even if it's, I don't know if it's real wood or not, but it, it works for me. But they've been uh, staying open, and that's a friendly reminder to make sure you keep the waters open for your cattle, for your for your animals, for your dogs, and bring those puppies back, bring those puppies inside, because it is cold at night, and they don't deserve to be out there. They deserve to at least have a, a blanket and a heating pad or however you do it to keep your your pets safe and and uh, healthy throughout this winter season. I actually even took some extra blankets up for my shed cats, so trying to keep them a little more comfortable. They do have to be just out and about because they're not really tame, but plenty of food going into them and doing the best that we can for them. And yesterday, with the sunshine, it sure did seem like a lot warmer than the the temperature actually told us. So maybe we'll get a little bit more sun today. Who knows? We'll be hearing from Mike Dandria and our 13 first alert weather at the bottom of the hour. So it's always good to keep up on that. Well, today for the Farm Show, we're going to be talking about the Wisconsin Farm Bureau and their members that they testified just this last week. We're going to talk all hay production for Wisconsin. And one of my favorites is potato production in Wisconsin and nationwide. And I'm going to bring up the Iowa land sales. They're still making news here in 2024. 30 acres of farmland in Sioux County, Iowa, sold at public auction for $2,250. (laughs) $22,500 per acre on January 3rd. On January 10th in Boone County, 155 acres was sold for $17,800 per acre. And in Story County, a 44-acre land tract sold for $18,200 per acre, while a 36.7-acre land tract sold for $18,700 per acre. And this is all farmland, ladies and gentlemen. So those prices are still mighty healthy for farmland out there. 
And tomorrow, the Wisconsin Farmers Union will be in Madison to host their Farm and Rural Lobby Day. This event begins at 10 at Bethel Lutheran Church near the Capitol Square with speakers talking about the pending legislation. Then after lunch, the group will go to the Capitol to meet with their senators and representatives. Register at www.wisconsinfarmersunion.com backslash events if you haven't already. I know they take quite a crew down there and let their voices be heard. That's a little bit about what's going to be happening in Madison tomorrow. And later on today, we're going to be hearing from Stephanie's and we're going to talk lending and bankers and their feelings on What's happening in the banking world for 2024? Midwest Farm Report. Well, I'm going to change it up a little bit this morning. And I talked to the Angus Association down in Kansas City at the NAFB convention. And we're going to talk a little bit about what producers are doing to meet consumers' needs. Producer to tell their story is coming from the consumers. How are you assisting the producers in telling that story? You know, it is coming from the consumers, but it's also coming from the producers. Certified Angus Beef, we have the unique perspective to kind of sit in that middle seat. And on one hand, I hear the frustration of the producer saying, I really just wish consumers would trust me. I, you know, I wish they knew that I did right by my cattle. I do right by my land. I do right by my people. And on the other hand, we hear the perspective of the consumer's frustration saying, I just want to know that the person raising the cattle that goes into my beef is doing right by the animals, right by the land, and right by the people. So the beautiful thing about that is that we both want the same things. And, and what we hear from our customers, you know, partners like Cisco, we're not hearing them vocalize any desire to mandate massive change in the way that farmers and ranchers are treating animals. They know that we have high quality animal management standards. They know we have great animal husbandry, but we need a better way to communicate that in a way that, you know, the, for both those ends that want the same thing. So as we looked at partnering with Cisco and developing our Raise with Respect campaign, the Beef Quality Assurance Program was one that came to the forefront very easily. Now, we realize that's not a new program for producers. BQA has been out there for a long time, but we do continue to see very current data that shows a significant boost in consumer confidence for the safety and wholesomeness and overall comfort level of purchasing beef when the consumer knows the producer cares enough to go through that certification program. You know, I visit with a lot of producers who say, oh yeah, I'm BQA certified. I, I did that 10 years ago without even realizing that's a certificate that it expires every three years. And so we saw this as an opportunity alongside with Cisco to say, let's create a more robust campaign around encouraging producers to either for the first time get that BQA certificate or to renew. Because by doing that, that gives us a leverage point to communicate in mass how much our producers are committed to cattle care. You know, I know there are a lot of folks out there who do kind of one-on-one online advocacy through social media or blogging, and that's fantastic. We fully support that. Not every producer out there is is cut out for that, whether they have the lack of interest, lack of skill set, lack of time. Um, You know, if I had a magic wand, I'd love to be able to take every single beef consumer out to a farmer ranch and let them meet the people and see how those animals are cared for. We also know that's not realistic. So the next best thing is, is the ability to have some statistics and data 
from a campaign like Raise With Respect that showcases just how committed our producers are to maintaining those kind of certifications that, uh, that can verify ultimate cattle care. Well, and as a beef producer myself, I went through the beef quality assurance, and I've kept it up to date, so it's renewed. But I think it's interesting that you're updating it, too. And some of the new practices out there, how important is that to keep those updates going? Yeah, that's a great perspective, Jill. I appreciate you having you know the, the open-mindedness to think through that because I've talked to some producers who honestly have the misconception that today BQA is nothing more than talking about injection site locations. And I know that you know that was a big portion of the um, the infancy of that program. Um, but today, you know, we are an industry just like anything else. We evolve, we change. There are some things that we do the same as we did 50 years ago, but there are a lot of things that we don't. And I would challenge any producer who feels they don't have anything to learn from BQA, uh, walk into that training and say, I'm going to walk out of here with three things, three things that I'm either learning for the first time or three things I want to reconsider about how I do things in my operation. Maybe it's as simple as record keeping. Um, We all are faced with different labor challenges today than what we were even five or 10 years ago. And I know a lot of folks in cattle production are dealing with some of those same labor challenges. Um, Are the, the way you're training your employees, do they know the same things that you know from a lifetime of cattle production. Um, You know, maybe you know a lot of the basics of beef quality assurance, but are you taking the time to pass that information on to all of the folks who are involved in your operation? Um, You know, even we think about the schools we send our kids to, those teachers have to go through continuing education credit programs on a regular basis. The veterinarians we consult with on our cattle operations, they have to go through continuing education credit programs. I think about BQA is that every three year continuing education program that allows us to maintain the social license with the consumer to do what we do every day and maintain their confidence. I really do like talking to the Angus Association or any of those other associations that have kind of their ducks in a row and really meeting the consumers where they are ready to be met and share our farm story. Well, it is time for our first look at our weather. Today, we're going to sneak on up to three degrees tonight, down to negative four. Tomorrow, nine and breezy. Tomorrow night, negative five. And then we're just in the single digits until the weekend. Saturday up to 10, Sunday 20, Monday 30. Looking for a little bit of sun later on in this week. And right now, right outside our back door, it's negative 6, but it feels like negative 23. And in Medford, negative 11. Rice Lake, negative 6. Wausau and Madison, negative 8. Green Bay, negative 7, Marshfield, negative 7, and cloudy, La Crosse, 5 below 0, and Milwaukee, just 2 below 0. Well, it's time to take our first look at our markets, brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Cash, livestock, and our choice-fed beef heifers and beef steers are 167 to 179. Our finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 140 to 174, and our choice-fed Holstein steers are 145 to 162. And cows are 69 to 103 with no quote for bulls. Butcher hogs are 34 to 65 with sows at 21 to 27 and boars at 12 and down. And our shorn and unshorn market lambs are 150 to 182. Feeder lambs are 50 to 280. Use are 45 to 152. 
Small goats are $65 to $150, with large goats at $285 to $500, and nanny goats at $35 to $390. And our futures markets, live cattle is all trending downward again today. For February, $171.37, down $0.42. April, $174.17, down $0.40. And June, $171.62, down $0.35. And our feeder cattle futures, those are all trending upward. January 226.57, up 30 cents. March 227.70, up 30 cents. April 233, up 27 cents. And May 237.82, up 35 cents. But our lean hog carcasses, they are trending downward today. For February 71.90, down 70 cents. April 78.62 down 42 cents and May 84.45 down another 30 cents. And sliding on over to our Chicago Board of Trade, corn for March is at 4.44 down two and a half cents. March oats are up a penny to 3.70. March soybeans are at 12.30 up five and a half cents. March soybean meal is at $365 a ton up three and a half dollars. And March wheat is at $5.96, down a fraction. And our cheese prices are from Friday close. Barrels, $144.5, down a half. 40-pound blocks, $156.25, up one and a quarter. And our gray double-A butter, $256.75, up a quarter. And our class three milk futures are also from Friday close. January, $15.15, down four cents. February 15.90 up three cents, March 16.33 up two cents, and April 17.08 up three, another three cents, and May up five cents to 17.73. And that market was trending upward, but not a lot, only in the two and three cents mark. But it's time to move into some farm news. Last week, Wisconsin Farm Bureau members testified at the Wisconsin State Capitol in support of legislation for the organization to offer Farm Bureau health plans for members. The reduction of operation costs, the encouragement of healthier lifestyles, and keeping families on their family farms were the topics highlighted by speakers in favor of the health plan legislation. Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation President Brad Olson said, and I quote, Farmers need a better option for health insurance, one that's tailored to our unique needs. We need Farm Bureau health plans, unquote. I recently did talk to President Olson about the meeting and will continue to be informed about legislative developments. Let's talk some numbers. An all hay production for Wisconsin in 2023 totaled 2.24 million tons. That's down 25%, and that's due to the periods of little to no rain throughout the summer compared to 2022, according to the USDA National Agricultural Statistics Service Crop Production 2023 Summary. Producers averaged 2.17 tons per acre, down more than a half a ton from last year, and a little more than 1 million acres of hay was harvested this summer. That's down 70,000 acres from 2022 in Wisconsin. Now, potato production. 
Potato production in Wisconsin in 2023 was 29.4 million hundredweight. That's up 12% compared to 2022. Producers average 435 hundredweight per acre. That's up 9% from last year's yield. 67,500 acres of spuds were harvested in Wisconsin in 2023. And nationally, 444.7 million hundredweight of weight of potatoes were harvested in 2023, an increase of 9% from the 2022 harvest. Spuds were planted on 960,000 U.S. acres in 2023. I always like to talk about potatoes. I actually made uh, some lefts over the weekend, and we had cheesy potatoes, one of my favorites. So we need to keep on moving through some chores And then we will be hearing from Stephanie as she talks to bankers and lending for 2024. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wisconsin banks are signaling caution as we get started in a new year, but these bankers are still a lot more optimistic than they were ahead of 2023. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Rose Oswald-Poles joins us. She's the president and CEO of the Wisconsin Bankers Association. Every six months, they survey Wisconsin bank CEOs on economic conditions. Last year at this time, three-quarters of the respondents predicted that the economy would worsen. Today, that number is less than half. Rose tells me what else stuck out to her in the results. Our survey results for you know the current health of the economy in Wisconsin are not surprising. Almost 70% of our respondents believe that Wisconsin's current economic health is either good or excellent, uh, which is really strong. Last year, I would say bankers were a little more pessimistic heading into 2023, and this year bankers are feeling like we're in a strong economic position today and believe that that resiliency is going to carry us forward into 2024. Almost all respondents, over 95%, do not see inflation worsening, which is a really good sign. And only about 44% predict that the economy will weaken over the next six months. So definitely fewer than what we saw a year ago. We went from three quarters last year kind of predicting not optimistic news to now just 44%. What are some of the economic trends that are pushing a majority of those bankers to, to be optimistic? I think we are finally seeing a slowdown of hikes in interest rates, and that's, you know, certainly all of us as consumers individually, but, you know, certainly anyone that's running a business or a farm operation where you have borrowing costs um, that are very much tied to interest rates, you know, we're seeing those level off, and I think we also predict that the Fed is going to perhaps even start to lower interest rates maybe very late in 2024. So I think not seeing any continued increase in interest rates here of a meaningful amount in the foreseeable future is a really positive sign. I think that is coming because inflation metrics are also showing that, you know, it's not worsening and and it might actually even be improving. We have strong employment numbers as well in our state. So I think there's several different key economic indicators that are all pointing in a more positive direction where a year ago at this time, I think we were really concerned about, you know, recessionary environment that thankfully didn't come to fruition to that degree. 
On the flip side, rose for the 44% of respondents who think the economy will weaken over the next six months. What are some of the red flags that stood out to them? Honestly, some of a couple of the factors I mentioned. So, you know, interest rates are remaining still really high. And, uh, you know, the Fed uh, was contemplating raising them again. They are choosing not to do that. It appears so that's a good thing, um, but they still remain high. So as I said earlier, borrowing costs for businesses and the farm industry and, and even consumers individually on their own personal credit cards are still extremely high. And that stress, that financial stress on anybody's budget or a business's operations is tough to manage. And so I think what we may see and at least what some of the respondents likely who thought it's going to even weaken further, maybe see some more businesses close down, maybe some more layoffs happen at larger employers, uh, and maybe see consumers tightening after, perhaps after the holiday season purchases are, are through, but, you know, not see any real big consumer purchases in the next six months. So I think there is still because interest rates are high, even though, you know, it's a positive for the longer term outlook that they're not going to keep increasing at the quick rate we've seen happen over the last 18 months. The fact that they're going to stay steady at a high rate has some concern. I did not hear any talk of geopolitical problems or even our own uh, election year approaching. Was that, <laughs> was that a concern at all for Wisconsin Bank CEOs? So certainly some of the commentary that we did get back as to why they were, you know, maybe saying, for example, that the economy might remain weak for the next six months is because of a lot of the geopolitical concerns happening globally and also it being a presidential election year. Whenever that is the case, you know, there's always a lot more turmoil and uncertainty heading into a presidential election year, and we are certainly seeing that come through in the results of the survey for 2024. But again, nearly 70% of respondents did rate Wisconsin's current economic health as excellent or good. But, Rose, is this a sentiment that's felt beyond Wisconsin borders? Yeah, I think in other parts of the country that are similar to Wisconsin, so, you know, probably more of the Midwest than what you necessarily see on the coast. I think you're seeing a lot of that same type of cautious optimism um, bleeding into 2024 from the banking industry there as well. So I think there's, again, a lot of reasons where we are in, in our part of the country a little more insulated from some of the huge economic swings that happen. Our economies do tend to be more diversified. We have strong manufacturing and other business sectors, but then we also have strong agricultural sectors and other industries such as tourism and other things. So I think our economies are a little better balanced in the middle part of the country than what you might necessarily find again on the coast. So the sentiment is definitely shared among bankers and, and what I'm hearing from my colleagues in other parts of, of the central part of the country for sure. So if we take a look at the survey and what it means for community banks, what are you using the survey for? Yeah, the purpose of our survey, which we do twice a year and, and half for many years now, is really to provide an economic outlook to the public and to elected officials. I think bankers are in a really unique position to know their, the specific details of their customers' financial health and different businesses that they work with. 
um, that they, you know, lend money to. And so they're just in a really unique position to sort of see where there might be sectors um, of the economy or certain types of of industries that might be seeing a little more strain than others. What does it say for bankers in terms of what they can do with the information? I think it just reaffirms that, as I said earlier, the economy is currently doing strong in our state, and I think that resiliency will carry forward into 2024, not that there are going to be, you know, extreme positives coming forward, but there aren't as much caution or as many headwinds as what you know, we might have seen a year ago, and so there's still plenty of lending opportunities for banks. There's still fair demand for loans from their business customers, which is positive. So I think, you know, the broader message to the community banking industry is that, you know, we're um, open for business. We we make loans every day and, and take on those risks, and we want to continue to do that and be there for our customers in 2024. Anything that Farmers or agribusinesses specifically need to be thinking about for the first half of 2024? I think ag overall, from what our ag lenders have said in the survey, is, you know, ag continues to be a bright spot. Again, there's always um, little issues that can come up, and, and I mentioned weather. We had a drought earlier this year that, you know, had a lot of uh, farmers concerned about crop yields, and it turned out that for many of them, crop yields were far in excess than what was anticipated. So, it was a great year in that regard for them and, and turned out to be a lot better. So I think just continuing to have that dialogue, we're certainly there to lend. We're, we're there to respond to their needs, and, and that will continue to be true next year. Rose oswald Poles joining us. She's the president and CEO of the Wisconsin Bankers Association, speaking to the results of their latest economic survey. They asked about 70 Wisconsin bank CEOs about what they predict the economy to do in the next six months. Nearly 70% rate the economy as good to excellent. Less than half think the economy will worsen in the first half of 2024. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Just having those conversations with your banker, making a plan is so important. And they can make predictions all day long, but until you're in the situation and really working through things, you uh, have to figure it out. Rocky, are you there? We've got Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock. He is on the line to get us an update from cool and crispy up in Withy, right? You betcha. All right. So what happened at the market yesterday? Uh, thank you, Jill. Good morning, everyone. This is how yesterday's auction shaped up here at Premier Livestock. We did have a lighter run with the extreme cold, but market prices were definitely up. Fed cattle higher, choice and prime Holstein steers 148 to 155, low choice and selects 140 to 147. Your choice beef steers and heifers 158 to 171. Market cows traded stronger, high yielding cows from 94 all the way up to a dollar 14. Most cows from 80 to 93. Market bulls stronger, high yielding bulls from 105 to 118. Organic market cows sold every Monday and Tuesday, mostly 130 to 160, expecting higher market prices again today with the extreme cold. Newborn Holstein bull calves, mostly 200 to 430 per head. Your beef cross calves from 300 to 660. Holstein heifer calves, 140 and down. Today, Tuesday, we do have our special feeder cattle auction. Uh, we do have an excellent round of feeder cattle, expecting four to 600 head. Uh, quality 
is very good for today's sale. Also selling bred beef cows. Uh, beef cows need to be in by 9 o'clock a.m. for preg checks. So then tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, 9.30 a.m., we get a large hay and bedding auction, 11 o'clock a.m. dairy cattle auction. We're featuring a lot of reputation consignments, a parlor freestall cows, uh, some nice springing heifers, but we got one group of 30 of them big, fancy, fresh Jersey cross cows. Uh, they're all parlor freestall coming out of a 28,000-pound Jersey cross herd, and they're averaging mostly over 100 pounds of milk. Full list at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Questions, give us a call at Premier, 715-229-2500. Don't forget, large farm machinery auction will be coming up here March 15th. We are expect, accepting consignments uh, daily. So any questions, like I said, give us a call, 715-229-2500. And, Jill, that's how it's shaped up. Well, I'm just glad that our phones work this morning. Yeah, you and me too. I, otherwise, I could sleep in a little longer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's good to get up and about and get the body moving, right? Yep, yep. And like I said, if we ever have any problems, you can always get the detailed, updated market reports on our website also. So, All right, sounds good. Right, Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. And that was Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock. Morgan McCarthy is in the house. And her news is brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Good morning, Morgan. Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We'll start with the Chippewa County Sheriff's Office asking for help as they continue to investigate the theft of a 26-foot 2022 Forest River Shasta pull-behind camper. Now, the theft occurred in late December and into early January. There are some images online. If you know anything, you're asked to take that information to authorities. Details and those photos, 715newsroom.com. At the Capitol level, lawmakers be working on a couple of things, and one of those could, uh, well, take it to the paper. Lawmakers at the Capitol once again looking to require kids to learn cursive. An assembly panel takes that idea up tomorrow. Supporters say kids need to learn how to read and write cursive in order to have a better understanding of the world or simply sign their names. The proposal before lawmakers would require that kids be able to both read and write cursive by the end of fifth grade. As we look to other headlines that stretch the state, a slide-in leads to a tenth OWI. It's a Winnebago man now looking at that double digits OWI after an arrest in Janesville. State trooper arrested the 63-year-old after they found his car had slid off the road. Troopers getting that call about a man driving driving recklessly on I-39. In addition to the OWI charge, the state patrol says the man was driving with a revoked driver's license and without an ignition interlock on his car. In headlines that move us to our area, the principal at North High says a gun scare recently was a concealed carry issue. Principal there sent a note home to parents after police were called to North last week, explaining that a food delivery driver had had a gun but never walked into the school and never threatened anyone, told parents there was never any known intent to harm students or staff at North. In other headlines that affect families, in our area. Hundreds of workers at Marshfield Clinic locations across Wisconsin are being furloughed, facing question marks turning into the new year. The health system made the announcement yesterday as 3% of Marshfield's nearly 12,000 workers are being furloughed, saying that furloughs will be in largely non-patient seeing departments, including some leadership roles. And this was after a wave of talks about a merger with Essentia Health, but that fell through last week. And how's your piggy bank looking? A little slim to start the year? That's not the case for everybody. Well, Specifically, five people, the richest men in the world, are, as you might imagine, only getting richer. According to the nonprofit Oxfam, the combined wealth of the elite group that includes Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, and investor Warren Buffett, jumped from $405 billion to nearly $870 billion in the past three years. In issuing the report, the charity called on governments to rein in corporate power to reduce the gap between the ultra rich and the rest of society. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. And the rest of us better get back to work. Those chores don't do themselves, right? We're just rich in other ways. Joe Wacky leading the way with your Midwest Farm Report. For those who work in acres, not an hour, and the Midwest Farm Report. And lucky us, we've got Jerry Clark in the studio. We had to do a few, jump through a few hoops to get him in the door, but (laughs) he's here now. And we always talk about January and being those meeting season and education season. What do you have on the agenda coming up soon? Sure. Uh, thanks, Jill. Yeah, I thought maybe, you know, missing a couple of weeks, you'll lock me right out. So <laughs> glad you let me in. <laughs> well, it's cold out there. <laughs> it is definitely cold out there. And uh, but, you know, it's just and you've had some time on your own that you must have needed some break from. Yeah. Well, last week we were in balmy San Diego for a conference. So that wasn't quite so bad, but still out of town for a couple of <laughs> weeks or for a few days. But uh, yeah, like you said, we're getting into the grain marketing or the meeting season, we do have grain marketing workshops uh, starting next Wednesday. So this is part of the Farm Pulse crop insurance and grain marketing course. And we had a kickoff back in December, but uh, farmers can still attend these grain marketing meetings. And we're going to start next Wednesday in Menominee at the uh, government center right there on Highway 12 as you come in on the east side of, of Menominee. Starting at 10 a.m., go to 10 to noon, and this is a series of four meetings we're going to start talking about, kind of just to kick off uh, what is risk management, your level of risk, what you're comfortable with, and then looking at cost of production. So um, we'll start to kind of get that baseline in this first meeting of uh, what is, what's your production cost from a per acre, per bushel uh, type of, of uh, uh, setting. And then from there, the, the future meetings, which will be in February and March, we will build on that and then start to look at how you use crop insurance to insure that, that crop as you move through. the. That'll be one of our sessions that we, we have. And then we'll start to get into some of the tools that, that we use as well. And so there'll be um, some of the different marketing strategies that farmers can use, um, whether that's just straight forward contracts or basis contracts, which are relatively easy to use. At least you kind of know what your price is to that profit price, or at least that break-even price. Let me start there and see what we can build in with some marketing tools. Uh, the other fun part of this is we're going to be using a simulation game uh, that is part of a, a grant that we were able to use uh, this uh, simulation game from the University of Nebraska. So we'll actually be able to um, you know get some play money out there and, and uh, farmers can uh, use this marketing this marketing game in order to practice with some tools and see how things would work out if you did some actual uh, trades or, or used options or some of the hedging types of uh, tools that are out there. So the grain marketing program is a series. Um, and if you were at the kickoff event, there's also part uh, an online uh, component to it as well. Uh, you don't need to be involved in that. But if you are, that helps that enhances the program even more. So you can sign, still sign up for that full hybrid program where you get some of the online materials, or you can just come to the uh, uh, the in-person ones, which start next Wednesday in Menominee. And you said you did have the kickoff, but if you come to the first one, are we going to be able to catch up and kind of see a little bit? Yeah, this first this is all going to build off of kind of the online part of it. There's not, you won't be behind or under, uh, we're, we're going to all be starting from from kind of scratch on that first day in, in Menominee next Wednesday. 
Always oh, that good information out there. Yeah, so. we're hoping that, uh, and a lot of stuff coming up this this season too. There's uh, farmer-led watershed uh, projects going on, and programs and extensions got their involvement in those with a lot of grants coming up, and and uh, the NOPP projects are out there if people are interested in those nitrogen optimization pilot program. We also have pesticide applicator training is is starting next week as well in Augusta. So anyone that needs uh, information on any of these, just contact uh, your local extension office. And uh, for us, it'd be Chippewa Dunn or Eau Claire County. You always think that maybe we have a little downtime in the wintertime. (laughs) I think we plan more in the wintertime for our next crop and analyze what we brought in Mm -hmm. than sometimes the energy it takes to get that crop in the ground. Well, there's a lot of data analysis going on right now, and that's not just from the the marketing side or watching the market, which we do anyway. We all watch the prices, and you know, you guys provide that report every morning, um, and we're always watching it in real time as what's what's being traded. But I think knowing uh, from the yield monitor information we have, what you've you know put into that inputs into that crop, and now trying to get out. Uh, where that break even is, we've seen you know markets tumble again a little bit, especially on the green and the green side of things. You know what are some strategies? And over the winter is when we kind of plan that out because once you have to put the planter in the ground, that's not the t- time to fig- try to figure out what you're going to do. You need to have that plan ahead of time. Planters in the ground, that's go time. You bet. Yep, uh, all righty. Well, thanks for the updates. And that was Jerry Clark, Eau Claire, Chippewa, Dunn. Ooh, I always call him kind of the crop guy. That's good enough. All right. I'm called other things. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as uh, we can get you in the door again and All right. share your knowledge, I think it's a good plan. That sounds good. Thanks, Jim. All righty. And we're going to move right on over to our markets. And we're going to hear from Barda Equity and Hot Eman. Fed cattle slight and steady today with the high yielding choice beef steers and heifers 173 to 180 choice and select beef steers and heifers 162 to 172. The beef and dairy cross steers 145 to 165. High yielding choice Holstein steers 149 to 156. Choice and select Holstein steers 138 to 148 with the unfinished steers, heifers, and heavy steers a dollar to a dollar thirty-seven. Cow market steady to stronger today with the quality beef slaughter cows up to $1.05. High yielding slaughter dairy cows 90 to 105. Cutters and utilities 44 to 89 with a low yielding and canner cows 43 cents and down. Organic market today with results from our January 15th sale with the high yielding slaughter organic cows 130 to 160. Thin and small organic cows 90 to 129. Organic steers and heifers 160 to 180. Bull market steady. Most bulls bringing 90 to 105 with a thin full and bulls over 2,200 pounds discounted. At 89 cents and down. Calves sold by the pound today with a steady market with a quality Holstein bull calves bringing $225 to $4. Quality Holstein heifer calves, 50 cents to $2. Quality beef bulls, $5 to $7. Quality beef heifers, $4 to $6. In light import quality calves, 10 cents to $8 per pound. Just a reminder our next sale will be Wednesday, January 17th, starting at 10 a.m. with fed cattle, followed by bulls, cows, and calves. This is Hut Eamon at Equity Livestock in Sparta with this marketing update, and we thank you for your business. From Hut Eamon to Jerry Fitzgerald and Equity Stratford, the phones are what? working so we can hear what those markets are happening up your way. Well, good morning to you, Jill. Yeah, it's uh, uh, cold and uh, Got up this morning and I looked outside and oh, I thought that maybe the wind's not going to be quite so bad, but the flag was kind of not doing much. But now I looked out a few minutes ago, really whipping up now. So the chill factor is going to be a factor, I guess, as it will be for a day or two yet. So I guess uh, folks got uh, 
we've been through it before, so folks know how to uh, close up their trailers and stuff. So I guess just use common sense when you're marketing. But in the meantime, we better tell the folks about how the market went yesterday. We better get her done. All right, Joe, thank you, and a good morning to everyone. A summary from uh, yesterday, Monday, here at Equity Stratford. The cow market on a steady to strong tone yesterday. High-yielding fleshy Holstein and beef cows selling from 93 up to 108. Most of the cows that we sold yesterday sold between 70 and 92. The thinner cows, like carcass cows, below the $70 money. On the bull trade yesterday, better quality bulls between 93 and 107. Lighter bulls, 90 and below. Now on the uh, fed cattle trade, most of those will be sold uh, tomorrow on Wednesday. And... Uh, We'll have that report a little bit later on, update on the Fed cattle. And now, in the meantime, we'll get to the calf market on the on the calf market yesterday here at Stratford. 9,230 pound good quality Holstein bull calves, selling mostly from 200 to 430 dollars per head. Heifer calves yesterday from 75 to 160, and beef calves, good quality beef calves, still good demand on those uh, from 300 up to a top of 650. And just a note on the calf market, of course, in this very cold weather. Not very much demand for these younger, lightweight calves. So if you're marketing calves this week, make sure they're good and strong and healthy uh, so they can withstand the cold weather. And in the meantime, on Tuesday here today, we will uh, get started this morning at 10 o'clock with the hay and bedding auction. We do have uh, we do have hay for that sale today, including a consignment of large squares of second crop alfalfa grass mix. 11 o'clock today, we will have the dairy cattle auction, followed by the market auction. We will sell organic market cattle today as we do every Tuesday and then we'll finish up with the regular market cattle. Feeder cattle sales tomorrow will be regularly scheduled at 1230. We do have uh, some black black and black baldy simmental steers and heifers for that sale tomorrow. So again, Jill, it's cold uh, I guess everywhere so folks uh, just uh, be careful. Uh, use common sense for your marketing although the uh, one I guess one advantage of the uh, cold weather is the uh, kill markets do seem to be pretty strong this week so we'll see how that goes today and in the meantime jill you stay warm and we will talk to you tomorrow morning absolutely you have a great day you also and thank you and that was jerry fitzgerald from equity stratford and now is the time for our last look at our markets chicago board of trade march corns at 444 down two and a half cents march oats 370 up a penny March soybeans, 12.30, up five and a half cents. March soybean meal is at $365 a ton, up three and a half dollars. March wheat is at 5.96, down a fraction. And our country elevator prices, gold and plump in Arcadia, 408 for corn. Baldwin, 3.80 and 11.45. Chippewa Falls and Connorsville, 3.78 and 11.63 for beans. Durand. 375 for corn and 1135 for beans. Mondovi 380 and 1140. Elmwood 385 and 1145. Fall Creek 375 for corn and 1135 for beans. Osseo 390 and 1145. Elk Mound 379 and 1152. Sparta 392 and 1127. Ellsworth 370 for corn and 1140 for beans. And in Loyal 380 for corn and 1141 for beans. And Arcadia 395 and 1151. And our ethanol plants Boyceville and Stanley both 404 for corn price. New Richmond $4 even. And here are Friday cheese market prices. Barrels 144 and a half. Down a half. 40 pound blocks, 156 and a quarter, up one and a quarter. Gray double A butter, 
256 and three quarters up a quarter. And our Friday class three milk future prices January 1515 down four cents. February up three cents to 1590. March 1633 up two cents. April 1708 up three cents. And May 1773 up five cents. And one last look at our weather. The data bundle up out there. It's below six below for the air temp temperature, but it feels like 23 below zero for our wind chill. Today we're going to sneak on up to three degrees. Tonight down to four, and then tomorrow, Thursday and Friday only in the single digits with below zero for nights. And this weekend we should be coming out of the deep freeze with a high of 20 on Sunday. So if you're out and about and getting those kids ready for the bus, bundle up, bundle up yourself. Don't want to be getting that frostbite. And that's what I have for you for the farm show this morning. Remember, take care of yourself and take care of each other. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report, available at waxradio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. On-demand content at waxradio.com.